Amen. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, hallelujah. He gave his life's blood for even me. Wow. What a day. What a day in the life of the believer that we celebrate this great time. Uh, this morning I, on the hill we, we were talking about. That's okay. That's all right. You, you don't worry. We have law enforcement outside, and they will arrest you as soon as it's over. <laughs> but the message this morning on the hill was a game changer. Well, this day, it changed everything. Changed everything. All of history was changed by this one day. That's why we celebrate it every Sunday. We don't celebrate it just on Easter. There's a day we call Easter, and uh, there's a day that we uh, invite people to come and uh, expect a great crowd. But we celebrate this every Sunday. Every Sunday. You see, he was risen on the first day of the week. That's why the church meets on Sunday. And so we come here every Sunday. Every Sunday. Y'all finally got it. I'm just wondering where. <laughs> Nobody is going with me here. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here today. What a great day. And uh, I'm, I'm so full. I, I promise you, I just uh, as soon uh, have that choir sing again and me not preach. That was great, wasn't it? That was absolutely fantastic. That was great. I really enjoy. I love our choir. <laughs> this is this is a great choir and they work hard. They really do, and I appreciate the hard work they have, have done here. Uh, just, uh, if, you could, if you could know that they were, they were not just performing a musical piece. They were ministering. They were ministering. They were taking the Word of God, and they were actually preaching through song. Wasn't that great? I love y'all. I'm so thankful that I get to stand up here. I thought, man, I'm going to have to do something big here. Y'all are so good. I thank you for the hard work. Donald, thank you so much for your love for the Lord. He cranks me up. And he told me just a moment ago that he gave me 15 extra minutes today. And I'll still go over. <laughs> it is so good to see some of your faces. We we have met you, and um, glad that you're visiting with us today. I, I hope and pray that you are uh, enjoying this service, and that you will feel free to come back and visit with us again. We would love to have you come on a consistent basis. There is um, something I want to tell you that I need for you to do. If you have filled out a visitor's card. 
um, that's fine. That's okay. But if you haven't, I want everyone, the reason that you got a cheap pen, where is that pen? Well, I didn't even get a cheap pen. The reason you got that little cheap pen was so that you would not have a reason not to fill this out. Okay? You got a pen with your bulletin, didn't you? And so I want you to fill it out. Everybody, 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 fill this out, okay? Everybody. If your neighbor isn't filling one out, well, you know what to do. Donald's already told you to slap somebody. I'm not going to tell you that, but uh, if they're not filling it out, help them fill it out. If you're a church member and uh, their ink pen, their cheap pen won't write, give them one of yours. Okay. want everybody to write down your name. The reason for this is because uh, I'm working for an agency. <laughs> and, uh, and it's Heaven's Agency. And we want a record of your visit. It's just a blessing for you to be here. There's going to be some things at the end. And keep it with you because when we close the service today, there's going to be some things that I'm going to ask you. Well, let's get started. Last Sunday, we started um, a series, a small series, to, yeah, last Sunday and today. And then next Sunday, we're going to start another series on the start of your new beginning. The start of your new beginning. But last Sunday, we started by talking about impact, the impact that things do in your life. In my life, there are a lot of things that have impacted me. I, I remember when I was a, um, a soldier, I was an airman in the Air Force, but there was a soldier named Callie, Lieutenant Callie. How many remember him? Okay, all right. I don't remember the village, but he was blamed for some, the murder of some people. And I don't know all the details about it, but I remember it stirred me to the degree that I wasn't sure about what I should do in the service of my country. I remember it impacted me. I remember the day that uh, I graduated from high school, one of the greatest days of that school's history. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't that I had such honor. It was that they were so glad to get rid of me. <laughs> I have to tell you that this has always been the case with me. My wife will, will verify this at the back door. She will fill out an affidavit on this. When we got married, that day so impacted not only my life, but my mother's life, that my mother actually shouted, at my wedding because she didn't think anybody would ever marry me and so those are the kind of things that impact us what impacts your life what has impacted you I remember David a 16 a 17 year old airman that was my sweet mate in the service he uh, attempted suicide one night he was real bad in drugs, and I remember him taking 18 second all that night. I remember rushing him to the hospital. I remember holding his body as he screamed out that he wanted to die. 
that's impacted me. Matter of fact, that's one of the reasons I'm standing up here this morning and not sitting out there, because that thing grabbed me. But of all the things that have impacted me, it's so amazing that something that happened 2,000 years ago has impacted me more than anything else. Something that happened 2,000 plus years ago. It has changed my whole life. It has it just absolutely overwhelmed my life. The first thing that overwhelmed me was the fact that Jesus died for me. We talked about that last week. We talked about the vicarious suffering that he did for me. How that he took my place. How that he took my sin, my suffering, and became my Savior. It's an amazing thing to me how somebody could love me so much that he would die for me. Now, I don't know. Some of you, I don't know. I've never met you. But I can promise you I'm not worth dying for. I can promise you that I am not worth dying for. I'm just not. There is absolutely nothing that good in me that you would have to give up your life for me. And yet, he gave up his life for me. He gave his life for me. And so that has impacted me in such a way that I am his servant now. I live for him. I actually live for Jesus. I'm I'm not making that up. I get up in the morning. I go about my business. But I'm actually living for the Lord. That's, That's what I do. To me, life means nothing if it didn't have Jesus in it. And so it has impacted me. But then, as much as his love for me impacted me, how much it grabbed me, how much it has, has the, the old saying is, subdued me. The next thing that he did has absolutely captivated me. And that was that he rose from the dead. Now, dying for me is one thing. Dying for me, that's a big deal. But then being victorious over death, that's an even bigger deal to me. Wow. What an impact that has made throughout the world. This morning I talked about how that it has changed everything. Do you know that salvation wasn't complete until he rose from the dead? We were we were justified by his resurrection. When he rose from the dead, he accomplished the work of God, entered into the holy place, and purchased salvation for us. So our salvation has now been completed through Jesus Christ because of his resurrection. Not only did his resurrection do that for me, it it delivered salvation, but it also defeated the sting of death. Do you know that I'm not going to die Do you know that I am not going to die? No, I'm going to go through a stage maybe where this body actually quits breathing and the heart quits beating. But I won't die because I'm going to live eternally with the Savior. Do you understand that what happened, he whipped death. He grabbed it. And he whipped it. He said, 
I am coming to die for you. He took a body. Now get this. He took a body so that body could die. That was his sacrifice. That's what he gave for me. He took a body so he could die. That's, that's just common sense, isn't it? If you're going to die, you've got to have a body. So he died because he took a body. But that wasn't all he took the body for. The second reason he took the body was that he could demonstrate his power and ability to defeat the one thing that this body can't handle, and that's death. So he whipped death for me. Amazing. Now I am impacted by that in the sense that I am now living a life in that resurrection power. That's awesome. You see, I don't operate. This is funny. I don't operate in the routine anymore. I don't live in the normal or the natural anymore. So, the truth is, is that I now live in the power of his resurrection. You said, preacher, I'm not sure I understand that. Are you rising from the dead every day? Uh huh. You mean you mean you're actually coming back from the dead every day? Mm hmm. Would you like to see it? Mm hmm. That's exactly what I'm doing right now. Is that I'm coming back from the dead. I want to give you a verse, and we're going to start. Romans chapter 6, verse number 4. Why don't you turn there? Romans 6, 4. According to my Sunday school teacher, that's in the New Testament. Romans 6, 4. Everybody there? Listen to this. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Let me share this with you today. There are some things that have happened to me that have impacted my life because of the power of the resurrection. This is what it says. This verse says that we were buried with him by baptism into his death. And then as he was buried, we also rose with him to walk in a new life. Are you all with me? Do you understand that right now I am walking in a resurrected life? We have a, a thing up here called, how many of you aren't Baptists? Don't raise your hand. It's all right. We got a thing up here called a baptistry. And what we do in that baptistry is we uh, baptize people. We put them in the water. And we let the water go over them. Have you ever wondered why we do that? We let the water go over them. A little side note here. My first baptism, 
they don't teach you this in seminary. My first baptism, I'm standing in the middle of the baptistry. I figured that's the place to stand. And the little girl I baptized was a 16-year-old girl that got saved at a James Robinson crusade. And I was standing there to baptize her in the middle of the baptistry. And she was um, about five foot five, five foot six, something like that. The baptistry is seven and a half foot wide. So I'm baptizing her in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Ghost. And I go to take her down. And as I'm taking this little girl down into the water, I realize there ain't enough water. <laughs> and I get her head on the steps. <laughs> hey, I'm good. <laughs> now, she had her hand, her hand over her nose. Like I, told, I always tell them, pinch your nose. And then I had my hand on her wrist. And when I hit her head on that step, her eyes opened up. <laughs> and it was like, you dummy. <laughs> the reason that we put them under, the reason we put them all the way under is that, oh, nothing happens up there. We don't drown anybody. Anybody ever see somebody drown at a baptistry? No. What we do is we put them under... And we say, buried with him in baptism, and then we pull them out of the water and say, raised to walk in newness of life. Now, it's just a picture of what has already taken place inside. You see, we were buried with him. When you trust Christ as your Savior, you become a part of his family, and you take on not only his, his identity, but you take on his death and burial. And what happened, and his resurrection, and what happened was you are buried with him in baptism, and you're raised to walk in newness of life. That's what happened on the inside. You see, I have this resurrection power living in me. And what it does is it helps me to have, first of all, new life. When he came in, not only did he forgive me of my sins, and that's enough, isn't it? But what if he just forgave you of your sins and that's all he did? And then he said, I can't help you anymore. You know that neighbor you got? I can't help you with that neighbor. You know that bottle that you can't put down? I can't help you with that. You know that joint you can't put down? I can't help you with that. You know that, that temper you got? I can't help you with that. What if he said that to you? Wouldn't that be horrible? That he would forgive you of your sins, but then you'd pile up some more. So what, he's, what he did was he said, I'm not only going to forgive your sins, but then I'm going to demonstrate in your life how you can have victory in your life by living in this new life. What does that mean? Well, it means this, that in this new life, there is the start of this life. In John chapter 3, verse 3, we find these words. Jesus said, except a man be Born again, he can't see the kingdom of heaven. Now, he said that to a very wise man. And if you're that kind of, you have that kind of wisdom, you're going to say just what he said. Wait a minute. How can I be born the second time? Do I go back in my mother's womb? Is that the way it happens? I don't even want to think about that, do you? 
I know my mother doesn't want to think about it. Can you imagine what he's saying? That you're going to be born the second time. You see, this resurrection power not only forgives your sins, but then it gives you the opportunity of living a brand new life. How many of you, honestly, don't raise your hand, please. How many of you like to start over? How many like to say, man, I'd love to start all over? Would you? Seriously. There have been a lot of times... I wanted to just start all over. I told Sandra one day, I said, let's get in the car and drive somewhere where nobody knows who we are. How many have ever done that? <laughs> drive somewhere where nobody knows who we are, rent a house, and pretend that we're somebody else until they figure it out. <laughs> just to start over. Well, life gets so messy, doesn't it? It gets messy and stinky. And you want to just say, Lord, I want to start over. Let me tell you, I get to do that every day of my life because I step into this resurrection power where I am buried with him in baptism and raised to walk in this new life. Wow. This is the start of it. Then I'm born again. And then the specialty of it is that I am now a changed person. The scriptures tell us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, that therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new or have become new. Now, give you an English lesson here. Don't you hate preachers that give English lessons? The English lesson is that that's in the present tense. You see, a lot of people think when they got saved, God changed them and made them better. No, that's not the case. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus, and old things are passing away, and new things are coming on a consistent, consistent, consistent basis. I am living this new life. I have a new life. Every day I wake up, I realize I have a new life. In 1973, I'm sorry, 1972, in January 1972, I had what I call my Romans experience. I was a prodigal, and I I came home, and I had my Romans experience. And there was a saying back in those days, and you you just about have to be an old hippie to remember this. Any hippies here? This is what it said. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Y'all remember that? (laughs) Do you know that I live that every day of my life? You say, oh, no, 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 no. You got a history. Yeah, believe you me, it's it's not a good one. And yet I live every day in this resurrection power because he gives me new life. Not only does he give me new life, but in this resurrection, he gives me new liberty. He gives me new liberty. The scriptures tell us that when he, in, in Romans 8, 2, it says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. What that means is that I now have this liberty that I didn't have before. He set me free. When he died and rose again, 
he defeated the power of sin in such a way that I don't have to live under sin anymore. I don't have to live under his power, under his domination. Um, I remember when uh, I had a real bad habit. Uh, it was with tea. Anybody got a habit with tea? Drinking a lot of tea? Kind of locks you in. Uh, some of y'all got a habit with coffee. Oh, man. I go to an Easter service and the preacher preaches against coffee. <laughs> Listen, it just shows us how things happen in our life that we get controlled by certain things and we do certain things in a habitual way. But what happens to sin is that it takes its control of us. And when Christ died on the cross for us, he died and won the victory over my sin. Colossians chapter 2 tells me this. And because of that, I now have that victory. That power doesn't have any control over That sin doesn't have its power. It's called the law of sin. It means that you're going to do something because you have to do it. You don't have to sin. You don't have to do wrong. You don't have to. Because when Christ died on the cross and rose again, he defeated that power of sin forever. So you don't have to live there. I was thinking, how could I illustrate this to you people? And I wrestled with this for a long time. Because I don't want to tell you my stuff. I don't want to tell you what I have trouble with. I have strongholds. I have things in my life that I have difficulty with. And if you say you don't, according to 1 John chapter 1, you're telling me a lie. So all of us have struggles. But I know that the victory that I have in this new life comes from the power of his resurrection. So I was thinking, what, what, what can I show them? I've got to tell you this story. We bought a new car about two months ago. We made two payments, is that right? Two months and, uh, yeah, we make car payments. I'm a preacher. So, at any rate, uh, we got this new car, and Sandra wanted, she wanted to step up. Since we're at the Great Line Creek Baptist Church, she wanted to be sure that you would approve of her car. So she stepped up a notch, and she got one of these cars that you don't have a key for. You walk up to it, and it says, who are you? And you got this retinal thing, and you got to read it. Y'all don't have that yet? <laughs> so, so we got this new car. And, and occasionally she'll let me drive it. Gary said this morning, I didn't drive my bed this morning because she let me drive the good car. And so every time I go to get in that car, guess what I do? I reach in and get the keys. And when I get up to the door, you know what the car says? You dummy. <laughs> you don't need any keys. I don't use a key. That's a habit. I am under that dominion of that. Alex, I'm under the dominion of getting my keys out. But aren't you glad the day that he took the things away that were destroying your life? When he took away those things that were taking you apart, tearing you apart, taking your life down, 
And he gave you victory over those sins. He took away the thirst. He took away the hunger. He took away that, that drive, that, that lust, that movement. He took it all away through the power of his resurrection. So not only do I have new life, now I have new liberty. The next thing I have is I have new longings. I have new longings. Because of his resurrection, listen what this says. This is amazing. In Romans chapter 8, verse number 10, it says, And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. What is so amazing to me is that in the power of this resurrection, he gave me the ability to let the sins go and start going after good stuff. I now have a different appetite. I now want to do different things. I was thinking about this. Uh, what really changed? Where, where has there really been a change in my life? I have to tell you, when I was a kid, my chore, how many of you had chores? Raise them high. Okay, you had chores, you were abused. You were definitely abused. That's what I told my parents. My chore was every day, not, not once a week or not every two or three days. Every day I was assigned a can of Comet. I mean, know what Comet is. Okay, good. Y'all are with me. I had a can of Comet, and I cleaned the bathroom every day. Cussed the whole time I did it. <laughs> told my parents they were slave drivers. Pack my bags and put them in the hall. Why do y'all make me do this every day? Why do you make me do this every day? Why do I have to do this every day? And I said that every day. I hated it. And I got married. <laughs> and Sandra said, Could you clean the bathroom? Guess what happened? I cleaned the bathroom. And guess what I did while I did it? I whistled. A new longing took over. Bill Stafford says when he's president, he becomes, when he's resident, he becomes president, and he changes all the furniture. He moves everything around. Do you know when I got right with God, the resurrection power in me created new longings. I want to do things different now. I want to live differently. I like hanging around with old fat men. <laughs> I love hearing choir music. Hey, listen, honestly. How do you go from Credence Clearwater to Lion Creek Choir? Huh? How do you make that leap? By the resurrection power of God. He changes your longing. He gives you a new heart. Last of all, I'm going to close. He gives you not only new life. He gives you this new liberty. And there's new longings. But this resurrection power does this. It helps me with my new living. I live this because of the power that he is doing constantly in my life. Listen to what it says. 
If you've got your scriptures, you want to read this verse. It's found in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. And this is what it says. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Now, what that means is this. Sin has deadened us. It's absolutely deadened us. We are dead. As a matter of fact, the scriptures say that we were dead in sins. Ephesians chapter 2 says that we were dead. We had lost all feeling. We were numb spiritually. And what happened was when God came into our life, he resurrected that spiritual life. Titus calls it regeneration. I like that. I got regenerated. And what took place was when he regenerated me, I began to be the scripture says quicken, I begin to live out spiritual truths and things in my life. I begin to change in my behavior. I begin to do things differently. I begin to listen to what God wanted in my life. I begin to hear from Him. I started reading scripture. I found out it was fun to read the Bible. Not too long, because then you get, you find out you got to repent of something. But I found out that scripture is good for me. I found out that I like to go to church and sit in the middle of people that have the same problems I have. I found out that, that all of a sudden I was living this life that I never knew I could live. Somebody told me one time, I said, Preacher, I can't get saved because I can't live it. I said, No, I don't guess you can. But I know how you can live it through the power of God. I want to tell you a story, and, and I'm, I hope and pray you won't be offended by it. But in my prodigal days, I, I did just like the prodigal son. I went into a far country, and I wasted it. I wasted everything. I wasted my life. And I destroyed a lot of things that God could have used. I'm, I don't have near the stuff that I could have been because I let the devil destroy some of the things in my life. But I remember, and please don't judge me on this, but I had been saved for about, oh, I don't know, eight, I mean, I'd been living for the Lord in, in, uh, after January of 1972. I'd been living for the Lord for about eight months. Sandra and I had started dating, and things were going good in my life. God was blessing me. But in those prodigal days, I did some things uh, that I regret that I ever did. And one of those things was that I frequented, frequented a particular nightclub. I was carousing. And I went to this nightclub several times. And when I got right with the Lord, I... I knew that I could never go there again. I knew that I think if I ever went inside that place, I'd die. You know what I'm talking about. So it was on a road that I had to go down quite frequently for my job. And so one day, about eight months after I would surrendered to the Lord, I came to this intersection where I always took this intersection to get away from going by that place. 
I would drive three miles out of the way to avoid that place. Are y'all listening to me? Huh? Are you listening? Because I'm going to tell you something that's going to blow you out of the water. I remember that day, I'd crossed the bridge and I turned to the right to make my bypass around the nightclub. And the Holy Spirit said, son, what are you doing? And I said, Lord, you know, I don't ever want to go there again. I don't ever want to go there again. And I can't afford to go by there and let me be tempted to go in there. He said, you got it wrong. You're not the one living this life. I said, back up the truck here. He said, you drive by that nightclub and I'll give you the power you need to live the life you need to live. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Are you listening? Are you listening to what I'm saying? The resurrection has impacted me by its power to live. I am not just existing now. I'm not trying to be a good Christian. I'm not trying to lay this down and pick this up. I'm not trying to do those things. It is something that I do because the Holy Spirit of God walks with me every day and He breathes new life in me every day and I'm walking where I am now because the Spirit of God is leading me to walk that way. Hallelujah. I don't have to live that way. Glory to God. That'd make a, uh, 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 what, what is, what, that'd make a, an Episcopal shout. Listen, I'm going to close with this. I have spent a lot of my life talking about the Lord and trying to help people. I have always wanted to be a part of God changing people's lives. I know what He did in my life. I know He changed it. Some of these people have been around me a little while now, and they know that this isn't fake. This isn't something the preacher's working up. This is real. I have seen this resurrection power convert so many people. I've seen it convert so many people. I remember Sandra. We hadn't been married but about, I don't know, maybe six months. And we were working in the church, and this little girl comes up to Sandra and says, Miss Sandra, and she was crying. A little friend brought her up, and she said, Miss Sandra, uh, I hear that y'all are saving kids here. Can you save me? <laughs> I saw Sandra take that little girl and set her down. Her daddy was a bootlegger. Her life was miserable. She was a pitiful little girl. Some of you would have been ready to go kill him. She was pitiful. Her face was was very indicative of her pain. And she sat there with Sandra, and Sandra said, I can't save you, but I want to tell you about one that can. And Sandra led that little girl to the Lord. And a smile broke out on her face. And every time we went to pick her up, 
she was always smiling because she found out resurrection power works, even in a nine-year-old kid. I've, I've stood with a lot of people in the hospital. I've been with a lot of people in, in counseling sessions. I've been with a lot of people in many different ways. And I want to tell you this. What happened 2,000 years ago when he died on the cross for you, he made it possible that you could live a new life, that you could start fresh, you could start all over, that he could start you out with a brand new life. And I promise you that this isn't fake, this isn't made up, this isn't dreamland, this isn't something that, that we're just up here spending time doing. This is real. And if your life is a life that needs to be changed, he can change it. I've seen him change men's whose hearts were so bitter and hard. I've seen him change ladies who were so hateful. I've seen him change young people who were addicted to all kinds of things. I've seen him change young boys' lives. I've seen him change young girls' lives. I've seen him change everybody in this power of resurrection. He said, Preacher, I wish I could believe all that. You can. All it takes is the simple act of faith saying, Lord, I know you died for me. I want you to be my Savior, and I want you to live this great life through me today. That's all it takes. If you need to do that, I'm going to ask you to do it right now. Would you bow your heads? This is what I want you to pray from your heart. I'm tired of living like this. I'm tired of living in this guilt, this shame, this fear. And I want you to save me today. I want you to forgive me of my sins. I want you to come into my life, take full control of my life. And if you're a Christian here today and you've not been where you should be, why don't you pray on this Easter Sunday, Lord, I'm ready for this to be the first day of the rest of my life again. Start over again. I'm sorry I failed you. I want to move on from it. I want to become a victorious Christian by the power of your resurrection. You pray that right now. Would you stand, please? Heavenly Father, in this room, there are people that love you dearly. There are people that care about you. There are people that are, are willing to serve you in every kind of way. And there are some people in this room that have lost their heart. They're not where they ought to be. Their life's not what it should be. I pray you'd help them right now that they'll make the decision they need to make whether it's to trust you as Savior or whether it is to just turn their life over to you afresh. Whatever it is, would you do that work today that only you can do? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.